Well, I thought I'd start with a confession today because anytime I start with a confession, it makes everybody in the room feel better about themselves. This isn't a bad one. Um, I love new stuff. I love new. Uh, anything new, I'm interested. I like it. Now, I, I need to preface this because there's, um, there's some Bible grenade people. I don't know if you've ever met these people, but they have a Bible grenade for anything you can say. And you're like, I like new. And I, the Bible says be content in all situations. I'm not there yet. <clears throat> um, I, I would like to be, but like there's some things I just want new. Like, for example, I remember the first time I got a new car. It was amazing. Now, I know all the stats say don't get a new car and the depreciation value and all that stuff. Yeah, it, that person has never had one um, because a new car is, a, my first car, my first car wasn't new. My first car was held together by prayer and duct tape. I anointed it with oil, two, cu- two quarts a day. I mean, just like I mean, transmission fluid, it was awful. So when I got my first new car, it was amazing. If you've ever got a new car, you experienced this. It was, um, the smell, Whew! I mean, I loved it, and, and I looked at the speedometer, and it had 38 miles on it. I was like, who put these 38 miles? Again, but, I, 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 but it was new, and it was amazing. If you've got an iPhone, how many have an iPhone? You have an iPhone? I have an, okay, these are all the people that love Jesus. Um, if you didn't raise your hand, you got, some, you got a lot. You got a, we're glad you're here. Um, but if you've got an iPhone, there's something I know about you. You, at one point, got another phone when nothing was wrong with the phone that you had. The other phone just had a higher number behind it. And so you had to get something new. Yeah, exactly. And 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 little secret about iPhone users, we judge people based on the number behind your iPhone. So like we do, we do. I'm not I'm just saying. And so I, I got 12. Um because it's new. Like I I love new. I got a new pair of running shoes recently. I love to run. Um, I went seven miles this morning just because, just because. I know, it's crazy. I love to run. But the new shoes I got, I had a friend call me. Um, in fact, I can call his name because he's not at the services. Aaron, some of y'all know Aaron. And the, and like, Aaron don't run. Aaron's never ran in his life. Aaron, if the building was on fire, Aaron wouldn't run. Aaron would be like, well, the building's on fire. I think we ought to get the people out of here. Like, that's how, that's... So he's calling me, telling me about running shoes. I'm like, dude, that's, that's me talking. Like, what? But then his wife, who does run, was like, no, they're amazing. And so I was like, okay. And I go on and research these shoes. These shoes were the shoes that were worn by the guy who about a year and a half ago broke the world marathon record. The marath- the, a marathon is 26.2 miles. He ran a marathon in one hour. 59 minutes and 40 seconds. To put that in perspective for you, that's a 435 mile. Okay, I, I couldn't run that if I snorted a line of crack from here to Belton. Okay, that, there's just no way. I was, I'd have an interesting 30 minutes, but there, I, I couldn't do it. But I bought these shoes because they're new, and I love my new shoes. I ran in my new shoes this morning. They feel, you remember when you were a kid? And you, you thought your new shoes made you faster? Well, these shoes make me faster, and don't tell me they don't. I mean, I love new. I love new. Now, I, the reason I said all that is because most of us would agree that we like to get some new stuff every once in a while. We like to experience new. So with that in mind, I got a question for you today. Um, all the questions recently have been very personal. This one is no exception. Here's the question I would love for you, for all of us to wrestle with today. I want us to wrestle this one to the ground. What is the new God wants to do in you? 
Now, notice I, did, I didn't ask, does God want to do something new in you? Because the answer to that question is yes. I mean, when, he, when he's done doing the new, you won't be here. So what, what, what is the new that God wants to do in you? And we're going we're gonna to talk about it today because it's, it's not always easy and it's not always comfortable, but the end result is always more than we could have ever imagined. I want to start off by uh, going to the book of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah is a book in the Old Testament. It was written by a guy named Isaiah, um, and he, he writes a lot. I mean, it's one of the longest books of the Bible. And Isaiah chapter 43 is a passage of Scripture that I've read um, pretty attentively, attentively for over 20 years, but really for the past two or three years in the lifespan of our church. I'll look at this passage of Scripture just about every day. Now, here's what's crazy about the Bible. You can read the same thing over and over and over again, and one day you get something completely new. And so recently, when I, when I say recently, within the past two to three weeks, I saw something in Scripture that I've never seen before that I want to share today. Isaiah 43, 18 starts off like this. God says, but forget all that. Now, I feel like I could preach for the rest of the day on those four words, but just forget all that. I'm, curi- I'm kind of curious. I, in fact, I don't even have to. Well, no, I'll ask for a show of hands because I, I like it when we move a little bit. Um, how many of you, if they invented a machine that could go into your mind and erase at least one memory, just, just one, would have it done? Would have it done? Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all are like, there's some memories I don't have that I wish I could get on a spring break. I don't know what I did. But, but like all of us would, like I would. Now, once again, once again, you got the Bible, people would, oh, you shouldn't have your memory erased because God can use all things for the good. Okay, yes, he can. I, I completely agree. God can use all things for good. But one of my first memories of being on this planet, one of my first memories as a human is being molested. I don't want that one. I wish I didn't have to do with, deal with that. Some of you have the same memory. You've been abused abandoned, neglected. And yeah, God can use all things for good. But I wish I didn't have the memory. And I'll just be honest with you. People that tell me that, I kind of want to punch them. I'm, I'm just being honest. When you talk to them about your past, oh yeah, you just need to forget that. Oh my God, really? It's the most brilliant idea I've ever heard. Why don't I just punch you in the throat? And then you forget it. How about that? <laughs> and so when you look at it, it's like, it, at first, if you're not careful, it can seem like God's kind of being insensitive. Oh, yeah, yeah, just forget that. Well, God, it's kind of hard. But yeah, 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 just forget all that. And then he says this. But forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Okay, well, hold on. If this is bad, forget all that, then God's basically saying, don't worry about the bad stuff. It's going to get worse. <laughs> now, believe it or not, there's a brand of Christianity that teaches that. It's very popular. It, there's a brand of Christianity that teaches that you as a Christian should want and actually desire to suffer. <laughs> they have no friends. Well, it's a small group. They just, they're, they're friends together. But, but it's basically, it, it, that's, that's what I call Christianity Christianity. 
misrepresented or the wrong message. And all of us have either proclaimed or received the wrong message at one time. I remember years and years and years ago, I was preaching at a youth event. There was a bunch of students there, a bunch of students. This is the 90s. So I was just getting started. And I was so excited about my talk, and I had this one verse I wanted to share with all the students, and this is my thing, and I, I shared this verse, and I, I, I hyped it up. I was like, this is a verse. It's awesome. You need to memorize it. You need to write it down. You need to put it on an index card. You need to share it with your friends. This will change your life. Man, I'm, I, I went in on this verse, and it was, it was, it was a verse that I used to kind of quote for myself. Now, I'm not young anymore, so, but I believe it for you if you're young. Um, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young, but be, be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live and your love and your faith and your purity. Now, at this event, we didn't have screens and TVs. We had like overhead projectors, and, we were, and, and so we didn't have this, and so I had people turning in their Bibles, and we were all bringing our Bibles, and I'm, I'm not cracking on that. I, I love the fact that we can all see it on the screen, so everybody's turning their Bibles, and what happened was I got caught up in the moment, and I looked down at my Bible, and I had some sticky notes in it, and it was covering the four, but I could see the two. So instead of saying, turn to 1 Timothy 4.12, I said to 1 Timothy 2.12, and then I said, this verse will change your life, and this verse is something you need to memorize. This verse is something you need to tell your friends. 1 Timothy 2.12, it's amazing, it's amazing, amazing. And in my mind, I was saying 4.12, but I was saying 2.12, so and, and I noticed there was a group of girls right here on the front row that were angry. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you know this, but I, I can see how y'all are reacting when I'm preaching. <laughs> and I can see when people get angry. And, it, and I was like, oh, and I noticed the room was getting real uneasy. I walked off stage and a friend was like, great recovery. Like, what do you mean great recovery? He's like, about the verse. I said, what do you mean? It's a verse. First Timothy 4.12. He said, you didn't tell people First Timothy 4.12. You told them First Timothy 2.12. Did you notice people were getting upset? I was like, yeah, why? And he showed me 1 Timothy 2.12, which says, I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly. <laughs> There's some husbands in here right now going, that's in the Bible? Baby, did you, don't quote that one, sir. Don't, that's one you don't need to quote, okay? So yeah, I was, I was trying to communicate something, but it was misrepresented. Now, once again, there's a brand of Christianity. It's somewhat popular that says, hey, if you're going to be a Christian, your call is to suffer and be miserable for the rest of your life. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I just don't buy I met a guy one time. I've told you this story before. I met a guy. He said he went to see this very famous preacher, and he came back, and he said, I just feel like I'm supposed to suffer more. I'm praying that God will make me suffer. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You don't have to pray for God to make you suffer. All you got to do is live, right? Or try to go through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru at lunch. And Anderson, hello, that's suffering right there. You're going to wait forever even though it's Chick-fil-A. It's, we're going to suffer. We don't have to ask God for that. But I, I, was, I was really kind of wrestling with that. And this is my thought. God in the New Testament, Jesus said that we should refer to him as Father. Now, there's some dads in the room. I'm just kind of curious about the dads in the room. How many of you wake up every single morning and think, today, I want to make my child miserable? <laughs> if my child is having fun, I'm going to quit it. I'm going to knock it off. It, I, I'm going to do my best 
today to ruin my child's life. No dad thinks that. Well, if we don't do that, then why would we think God does that? God wakes up every day trying to make our life miserable. No, 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 no. We have a good father. And it, and it kind of leads to this phrase. Now, I didn't put this phrase. I was going to put this phrase on the screen, but I didn't put this phrase on the screen because I was afraid somebody would take a screenshot and throw it on the Internet. I, seriously, that's the reason I didn't put it on the screen. But I will tell you the phrase that I disagree with. Don't amen this phrase. Please don't amen this phrase. If you do, you're amening something wrong, okay? But the, I've heard this phrase before. I've heard it for years and years and years, and it's always bothered me. I never figured out why until I was preparing for this message. Here's the phrase. God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy. Now, it sounds really good because there's two H's and there's alliteration, but that's the only thing good about it. It's almost like you've got to choose. If you're going to be happy, you can't be holy. And if you're happy, you're probably doing something wrong. We've got to choose between happiness and holiness. Now, me as a father, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I want my daughter happy. I love it when she's happy. Now, have there been times that she thought something was going to make her happy, that it wasn't, I had to intervene? Absolutely. I told the story before, the morning I walked in the kitchen, she's playing on the floor with a scorpion. She was having fun. She was happy. But I knew that that was not going to ultimately lead to joy long term, so I intervened in the situation, which upset her in the moment, but it was for her good. Sometimes God does step in, and he intervenes. But it's not because he's trying to make us miserable. It's because he, want, he knows that situation, even though it might be happy in the moment, is going to cause more long-term frustration and hurt. So he'll remove us from that situation and put us in a different situation, which will ultimately bring us joy. But let me ask this question. When we get to heaven, will the presence of God be there? Yes or no? Yeah, it's a pretty easy question. In the presence of God in heaven, do you think will be happy. Yeah. So why you got to separate happiness and holiness here if we don't have to separate it there? Because Jesus said, when we pray, we should pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, where your holiness is and where we will be happy if we can have it there, why can't we have it here? So God's, God's not trying to ruin anybody's life. God's not trying to make anybody miserable. Will we suffer? Being a Christian doesn't mean we have to suffer. Being a Christian means we can walk through suffering and come out on the other side unharmed. So, so I started looking at this verse, and I was like, God, what, I mean, what, what do you mean? But forget all that. It's gonna be, and so then I had this thought. Go back and script, just what was, what was written before it. I took my Bible, and I was like, man, I guess I just need to back that thing up. I got a big, fine bobble. <laughs> Back that thing up. All for God's glory. <laughs> Me so holy. Anyway, oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't do that in the other services. That's, dear God. Ed, don't put this one online. Put the, put, no, put this one online. I want... I want some feedback on that. <laughs> Somebody needed that. Praise <laughs> God. Um, 
I'm the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. That's what he said two verses before, verse 18. So if you go back, he's kind of setting up verse 18 with verse 16. He said, I'm the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. Now, I'm just kind of curious. How many people set reminders on your phone? You set reminders. How many people? Um, so, and, and, and I know people set alarms on your phone, but for me, this is how I operate. I set an alarm once a week, once a week. The other, the other, I tell myself what time I need to get up, and I can get up at that time. It's weird. I'm wired weird. I know. I set an alarm on Saturday night because I'm scared to death that I won't get up on a Sunday, but 90% of the time I wake up before my alarm. I set one alarm once a week. That's all I do. Last night, I'm on my couch. I'm watching a movie. I'm looking at Shannon, my fiance. She's on her phone, and she's like, I was like, what are you doing? She said, I'm setting an alarm for tomorrow. I said, there's seven, there's seven alarms on your phone. You got one for every day. She said, no, they're all for in the morning. <laughs> I, said, you, I mean, but why don't you just, you just set one for in the morning? And she said, well, because I need all seven. I said, but, what, but why? She said, well, when the first one goes off, I know I got six more times to sleep. <laughs> I'm like, dear God, we're getting married in less than 70 days. This is going to be a problem. <laughs> But some, some of us are like that. Some of us just need one reminder, time to get out of bed. Some of us need seven reminders, time to get out of bed. But when it comes to the faith, faithfulness of God, we all need a reminder. See, what, I prayed this during the, the welcome, but there are people in this room that you walked in overwhelmed today. You got a problem. You walked in and something's bothering you. Something is bothering you. And it's bothering you so much. And, and listen, I'm not pointing my finger at you. I'm saying I understand it. That we forget what God's done for us in the past. So he's talking to Israel right here, and he's like, hey, guys, I just need you to remember that I opened a way through the waters, and I made a dry path through the sea. What he's talking about is the nation of Israel was enslaved to Egypt for like 400 years. 400 years. We don't know that struggle. We lose our Wi-Fi for 40 seconds, and we're upset. And they, they, they were enslaved for 400 years. But then God set them free from slavery. God set them free, and they walked out of slavery, and they're on their way toward the place where God told them he was ultimately going to take them, the promised land. So they're leaving here, and they're going there. And they're walking in victory. The Bible talks about their attitude was the attitude of victory. But then they hit an obstacle called the Red Sea. The Red Sea's pretty big. And they didn't have boats. They didn't know how they were going to get across. It's a big freaking deal. They hit an obstacle. When they hit the obstacle, the Egyptians decided, you know what? We missed the slaves around here. So the Egyptians came after the slaves, which by the way, when God sets you free from something and you start on a journey toward where God wants you to be, you're going to face an obstacle, not because you're sinful, but because you're human and we live in a fallen world. You're going to face it. You're going to hit an obstacle. And when you hit that obstacle, what enslaved you is going to come after you again. Always. You're all, li listen, I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just telling you, you'll always battle it. Israel has always battled Egypt. In 1967 and 1973, they fought wars. Been going on for 3,000 years, 4,000 years. When you're fighting what used to enslave you, that's not a problem. 
In fact, when you're fighting it, it means you're walking with Jesus. When you stop fighting and you go back into slavery, that's the problem. But what, was the, what were their choices? They have the largest army in the world coming after them on this side. On this side, they've got an obstacle in the way, and they had no idea how they were going to get through it. And then God just moves. And he didn't just move, he didn't send them a boat. He didn't send them instructions. He just made an interstate highway through the Red Sea. A bit uncomfortable. Like for me, I'm a skeptic. I'm like, okay, I mean, who's holding up this wall of water and what's going on here? But you know, it's, it's better than going back here. Anytime God calls us into something, it's not always comfortable. But we got an option. Either, listen, unless we're willing to experience the uncomfortable, we will never experience the supernatural. I'll say it again because that was good. Unless we're willing to experience the uncomfortable, we'll never experience the supernatural. So God said, hey, I know you guys are worried about something, but remember that time that you were stuck between the obstacle and slavery, and I moved and did something. Listen, the Israelites didn't ask God for this because they didn't even know he was capable of it. He, this is what you call a miracle. And God said, remember that time I did that? And I think maybe he's trying to stir some hearts up today and saying, hey, remember that time? I mean, I'm not saying what you're stuck in the middle of right now isn't serious. I'm not saying that what you're facing isn't real. I'm just saying, remember that time God did that thing? That you were stuck between here and here and you didn't know how you were going to get through it? And God made a move. God did something for you that you didn't even ask for and delivered you in a way that you would have you never ex experienced on your own. I, I wonder if there's like five or ten people that will say, in my past, there has been a time where God has been faithful and he has moved in my life. I, I wish more than two people would raise your freaking hand because if God did a miracle, I wish somebody would clap and just say, I'm so thankful that God has done something. God has been faithful in my life at some point in my past and rescued me when I didn't even ask for it. And then, then, then he says this in verse 17, I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. In other words, he said, not only did I deliver you through the situation, I took care of your problem. I took care of your problem. There are people in this room. That there's been a season in your life where there was something that was so problematic, had you so freaked out and worried. And what, don't miss this, don't miss this, what at the time seemed to be an obsession and something you would never get through, now is nothing more than a sentence in the story you tell of God's faithfulness. Because he handled your problem. He handled it. Some of us, we don't even, we don't really remember when it stopped. He just handled it. And God's going, hey, remember that time I made a way? Remember that time I handled your problem? Remember how faithful I've been in the past? Then he says, but forget all that. All the amazing, incredible stuff I've done in your past, forget all that. Why? God, why would you? Because it's nothing compared to what I am going to do. In other words, the new, God is saying the new I want to do in you is immeasurably more than anything else I've done. Now that's a promise. That's, that's some good stuff. But then he goes on to say this, and this is, this is great. He said, for I am about to do something new. 
I got a friend right now. Um, I hate him. I'm not talking junk about him. I told him this week, I hate you. I told him twice on Instagram. We DM each other on Instagram. I hate him because he's in Hawaii. And he's putting pictures up. They're making me mad. Look at the sunset. Oh, he's on the North Shore. I'm in North Anderson, right? He's, I'm outside looking at the sun. There's no sunset. He's like, look at the sea turtle. I'm like, I ain't got no sea turtle. I got a stray cat. I was, I, was, I was looking at the pictures. I literally had thoughts. I, thought, I hope you get stung by a jellyfish. <laughs> I, I did. I thought it for a second. But then I thought about, you know what? That, he's having this really great, wonderful new experience. I should be happy for him. Here's why. He, he lives in New York City. Dear God. Like, you think... You think COVID has been an issue in Anderson? New York City? You, you walk outside of New York City, you don't have a mask on, they fumigate you on the spot. they got a fire department. They're like, <laughs> SEAL Team 6, repelling out of helicopters. I mean, it's, it's what he's had to go through. And then when I was talking to him the other day, because he's coming down, he's going to be at my wedding. So I was talking to him about going and getting his measurements for his tuxedo. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that when I go get my COVID test. I'm like, can you imagine a COVID test in New York City? How intense that would be. So then I was like, why are you getting a COVID test? He got, because I'm flying to Hawaii. Can you, listen, flying, can you imagine, first of all, going to an airport in New York City right now, getting on an airplane and flying from New York to Hawaii? That's a long flight with a mask. Now, I'm not saying anything for or against masks. I'm just saying I stress out when I have to keep my mask on for two minutes in the grocery store. I feel like freaking Darth Vader when I get to the... Like I can't breathe. Can you imagine wearing a mask from New York to Hawaii? He, he went through all this uncomfortable stuff, but now he's in a place where everybody wants to be. I know that there's always one, I don't want to be in no Hawaii. Yes, you would if you could go. Now, the reason I say that is because, once again, we've got to be willing to go through something uncomfortable. Point in case, three weeks, we move into our new building. 90% of the people are going to be excited. Some of you are like, 100%, uh-uh. But I've been working with church people too long. There's some people already stressed out. You know why? Because it's, it's new. And new means uncomfortable. Because when here in this place, you got your parking space. You park in the same vicinity every week. In fact, you pulled in this morning. Somebody had your parking space. You got mad before you even walked in the room. And you walk in the room. You sit in the same seat every week. Hello, Lauren. You sit in the same seat every single. I know if you're here or not. Chad and Jennifer, I see y'all back there. I, I know. I know. I know, Bernie. I know. I see y'all every single week. You sit in the same place. You're already stressing out. Because like, in three weeks, you're going to be like, oh, hey, Harold, we have got to get there early because i got to get on the fourth row, the third seat in. Because if I don't, God is not showing up. Like, that's how, 
It's going to be uncomfortable. We're going to have different parking spaces, different seats, different. It's, it's going to take some time for some people. And, and some of y'all are already upset because we done messed up the service. They have messed up the service time, have my schedule, have my routine, everything. It, it's new. And new messes with us sometimes because we kind of like the old. But God said, you know, you can't be, you can't be holding on to the old forever. He said, I'm going to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I had a, um, I hardly ever sit down except the 1130. I feel like I can sit down, y'all. It's okay. Um, I had an intense conversation with a guy one time. I, and listen, I used to try to start arguments all the time. I don't much anymore. Twitter occasionally. But, but, but other than that, I'm, I'm pretty good. Because um, I ain't got time to fight. I really, I ain't got time to fight. I'm planning for a new building, I'm trying to plan a wedding, and I, I, I ain't got time to fight. But every once in a while, somebody will say something, and I'll, I'll have to speak up. And so this guy told me, he's like, yeah, I was really wrestling with this and that. And then I, I, I just gave God permission to do it. I said, you do what? He said, I gave God permission. I said, no, you didn't. He said, sure, I did. I told God yes. I said, so, so hold on. The creator of the universe needed your permission to move. Because if that's the case, I need to start worshiping you instead of him. We're not friends anymore. But, but, but what, what I'm trying to say is God's not looking for anybody's permission. Like the new that God wants to do in you, here's the deal. If you don't surrender, God's going to do the work. He's just not going to do it in you. He's going to go around you. I don't want God do, going around me. I want him doing it in me, even if it makes me uncomfortable. See, when we say yes to God, we're not giving him permission. It's changing our perspective. Because God's already doing the work. The new that God wants to do in you, he's already started it. When we say yes, it just opens our eyes to it. He said, I I've already started it. Then he said, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. See, we get freaked out. Oh, God, how are you going to make the pathway? Well, if I made a pathway through the sea, I can make a pathway through the wilderness. Well, God, we ain't got any water in the wilderness. There's no water in the desert. What are you going to do about that, God? Okay, I'll create rivers. I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. How are you going to do that? Same way I created a path through the Red Sea. I just do this. That God, God specializes in the supernatural. So God said, the new I want to do in you is immeasurably more than anything you would have chosen for yourself. And when you say yes, your eyes become open to that new. It won't necessarily be comfortable, but it will get you to a place that will allow you to experience immeasurably more than all you could ever ask or imagine. Now, I was trying to think about how to close the sermon. I had this thought. I, my favorite place in the world to go is Israel. I love Israel. I can't wait till all the COVID stuff is over and the travel ban's lifted because I'm, I'm, I'm taking a group back. I want to go every year. I've been 16 times, and I would go 16 more if I could. I hope I live long enough to experience it. I mean, I love it. And the reason why is, for me, Israel takes the Bible from black and white to color. I see things that once, have you ever seen that thing that once you see it, you can't unsee it? Like, there's some bad stuff there too, but like, like for the good, for the good, for the good. And so 
So there's a place in Israel, I would ask you if you know of it, but very few people would raise your hand, called the Herodian. I want to show you a picture of the Herodian from the top of the Mount of Olives. Now, I love the Mount of Olives because it's, it's, it, we know it's the Mount of Olives. Like some places in Israel, they're like, okay, Jesus may have done this here, so we built a building, but the Mount of Olives has not changed. By the way, there are no olives on the Mount of Olives. It's all graveyard. It's a, it's a huge graveyard. But I guess Mount of Olives sounds better than Mount of Graveyard because that's like Stephen King and not Jesus. So anyway, from the top of the Mount of Olives, you can look out and you can see this site. This is the Herodian. Now, I have been to this I've been to this place. I've, you can actually walk down into it. It's a fortress that Herod built. When I say Herod, Herod is the, was the ruler when Jesus was born. He's who the wise men came to of Matthew chapter 2. He's the one that had all the babies killed two years ago. That, that Herod. He was an architectural genius. And he had this fortress built, and it's, it's still one of the most incredible things you've ever been. I mean, it, the way it's shaped, the way it's formed, the way the tunnels and things run down into this mountain are absolutely amazing. It, it was an architectural wonder then, and it is today. Now, here's what's fascinating about it. This blew my mind. If you look at this, does it look like something just cut that mountain into? It's like the mountain was like growing and something said, nope. It looks like something cut that mountain in two, doesn't it? And pay attention to this. Does it look like this part of the mountain is natural, but this part of the mountain looks a little bit different, like it was inserted into that part of the mountain? Is anybody seeing this? Don't miss this. This is going to blow your mind. That's because Herod, without cranes, without dynamite, without anything, literally took the top half off this mountain and moved it there 2,000 years ago. Can you imagine that building project? Herod, Herod, you could almost say he moved a mountain. In fact, that was one of the things said about Herod in his reign. Herod can move mountains. Now, Jesus and his disciples are standing on top of the Mount of Olives. And everybody knew about Herod, but nobody knew about these guys. They're just a bunch of ragtag dudes from Galilee that decided to follow this guy that used to be a carpenter. And Jesus had just cursed a fig tree, and the fig tree, like, died on the spot. And the disciples were like, how did you do that? How, how did that happen? And Jesus... Pointing at this, said, I'll tell you the truth. If you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, you can even say to this mountain. See, Herod moved it from here to here. You see that? Herod moved it from here to here. But Jesus said, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. In other words, Jesus said, hey guys, you can do greater things than Herod. Everybody knows Herod for what he did, but one of these days, 
Nobody will remember him, and people will name their children after you. You're going to do greater things than Herod. Which is a reminder to me, as a church, this is why I believe in the power of the local church. We have more potential to change the world than Apple, Disney, Microsoft, Amazon. I believe that with all my heart. But even more important than that, I believe the new that God wants to do in you has more potential to change you and the people around you than anything you could ever imagine. And I believe Jesus working in and through you can accomplish more on this planet than Oprah or LeBron James or Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or anybody that we look up to, all of the celebrities. I believe you saying yes to the new that God wants to do in you will allow you to experience and experience change and be change in this world unlike anything you've ever seen. So, what's the new that God wants to do in you? Has he, has he taken care of you in the past? He'll do it again. Let's stand for prayer. Father, I want to thank you so much, Jesus, that the new you want to do in us and through us is greater than anything that we could think of or imagine. Father, I want to pray for the person that walked in today or is watching online with a problem that seems to be so overwhelming and frustrating and even crippling. God, that we would pause for a moment right now. God, we would celebrate every miracle you've done, the things we asked for and the things we didn't know to ask for. And God, that you would fill us with faith that if you did it then, you'll do it again. And God, your heart is for us to experience immeasurably more. Father, may we have the posture of surrender, knowing, God, that you said we could do greater things than Herod. And God, if you've moved mountains in our past, you'll move mountains in our future. God, we believe in your faithfulness. And we declare today, God, that we've seen you move the mountains and we'll know you'll do it again. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would fill us with that faith and that hope today. God, that we would know, we would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have us in the palm of your hands and you will see us through. You will walk with us through the fire and through the storm. And on the other side, Jesus, we will celebrate your glory just like we've celebrated in the past where you did miracles. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I don't know uh, what new God wants to do in you, but maybe right now in this moment, you could just say yes to God. Yes, God, yes to the new you want to do in me. Yes, Jesus, to the new. And if you're having problems with it, if you're having faith, if you're, I'm struggling with faith, I'm struggling with doubt, just tell him right now. Jesus, help me to believe the new that you want to do inside of me. Maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ, and that's the new that God wants to do in you. He wants to make you a new person. He wants to give you a new heart and a new mind, and you know that you need Jesus in your life. If that's you and you've never prayed to receive Christ, then right where you stand, in the room or online, I want you to pray with me right now. I just want you to say in your heart, I just want you to pray this in your heart, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to save me from my sins. And 
right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Take over. Be my Lord and Savior. My head's bowed and eyes closed. If you just prayed to receive Christ, if you just prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor? Hold your hand up and hold it up high because we want to celebrate with you. We've had people do it all day. If you're online, you do the hand raise emoji just so we can celebrate with you. Father, I want to thank you for lives changed today. I want to thank you for lives that you have taken from death to life. God, I want to thank you for hope restored today. God, I want to thank you for all the things that you've done in our past. God, I want to thank you for the way that you've been faithful to our church. I want to thank you for the way you've been faithful to the people in our church. And God, I want to thank you that you are going to be faithful. God, that we're going to see greater things. God, that we're going to experience you in greater ways. God, we're going to know you and see you in ways we've never known you or seen you before. We love you, Jesus. We declare that we believe that the best is yet to come because you are still on the throne. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for everything you've done, you're doing, and going to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody that agreed said amen. I am so glad. Are you glad you came to church? Because I'm glad you came to church. Hope you guys have an awesome week. We'll see you guys next Sunday.